Hello, everyone. In today's podcast, we are actually very excited to interview a member within our TMA Toronto lending community. We thought it'd be refreshing to hear his lens on the current market, as well as touching on the general concerns of rising interest rates and decreased liquidity we see in both the Canadian, US, and really the global markets today. My guest today is with my guest today is Brandon Lalonde. Brandon is an associate in the deal originations team at Frontwell Capital Partners. And with his help, we hope he can provide some context on how lenders are viewing today's market, what concerns they may have, especially in light of some liquidity concerns we now see rearing its ugly head through examples at Silicon Valley Bank and other regional banks. So with all that having said, Brandon, thanks so much for taking the time today. Thank you for having me on, Sven. Looking forward to it. So to get started, uh, just wondering if you could briefly introduce yourself, give us some background on how you found yourself in the private debt ABL world. For sure. So as you mentioned, I, I do deal originations for Frontwell across Canada. And who we are, we're, we're, we're a corporate uh, private credit ABL shop. So we do asset-based lending, providing credit facilities for, for, starting from $5 million and up to mid-market companies in Canada and the U.S. Uh, we approach this uh, financing process by providing working capital solutions in the form of a revolver, typically, and it's supported by a senior secured position against receivables, inventory, equipment, and owner-occupied commercial real estate. Uh, before Frontline, I worked for a big five bank in Toronto in commercial lending uh, and switched over to Frontline as, a, as the uh, platform was scaling out. I've always been interested in this space. I, I find it quite entrepreneurial, and every financing situation is quite different. It requires quite a bit of customization and, and quite a bit of uh, tailoring to come up with a financing solution for companies seeking bank alternatives. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, and, you know, the original reason I wanted to bring you on the podcast uh, was to provide us a bit of a different perspective uh, from the lender side, as opposed to what we typically hear, which is the restructuring advisory side. Of course, in the time since I originally thought to bring you on, uh, we've seen some rather notable developments in the lending space, particularly in the form of bank liquidity failures. I noted Silicon Valley Bank earlier and other small regional banks in the US. More recently, there were liquidity and share price concerns at Credit Suisse. You know, beyond the obvious uptick in restructuring work that will result from those institutions themselves, what impact do you feel those events may have on lending activity? Well, the major impacts definitely hit tech and, and crypto. Banks haven't really been too involved in tech. Uh, and pardon me, I should say crypto, but they have been very active in, in tech. Uh, Silicon Valley Bank, extremely heavily exposed to tech. There's, there's already headwinds facing in the tech sector, especially with uh, when it comes to valuations and, and the ability to raise additional equity capital at those once higher valuations. And the failure of a major bank um, that catered to that sector already adds it adds more to the mounting challenges that they're that these companies are already facing. There will be opportunities for lenders to step in at both the bank and private credit level. Uh, but what's going to happen is lenders are going to be very selective on the opportunities that they pursue in light of the challenges facing this industry. From a broader lending picture, uh, there's concern that maybe there could be contagion that spreads to other sectors, especially when there's challenges with financial institutions um, that seem to be uh, surfacing at the moment uh, that could lead to a broad pullback in commercial and corporate lending. But right now, it's still too early to tell what the ultimate impact is going to be. 
Right, that's interesting. Um, you know, more closer to home, if you will, and in particular within your firm's lending space, how has the activity been in the ABL private debt market in Canada over the last 12 months? Private credit has been active, but there's also been a lot of liquidity in the market, which initially softened deal flow, uh, primarily with all the COVID subsidies uh, and government support that went into the market, especially easy uh, monetary policy that made banks very competitive amongst each other and aggressive from a lending standpoint. With tightening measures now in effect by the Bank of Canada and the Federal Reserve in the United States, along with rising rates, uh, the last couple of quarters in private credit have actually gotten quite busy. And so we're seeing a consistent uptrend in both the quality of opportunities and the deal sizes coming to market. In, in a forward-looking picture, I expect to see a continued increase in activity over the next 12 months if the economy continues to go through this downshift um, with respect to higher rates, sticky inflation, and a pullback in consumer demand. Companies are going to need creative financing solutions to address these challenges with liquidity, especially with respect to the working capital, and a prepackaged lending product may not be suitable for that. So as banks tighten up the lending structure, they will remain aggressive on the right deals, but what we're also going to see is more opportunities, uh, and increasingly so, for the uh, private credit market space. Right, right. Um... You know, a, a follow-up question to that, um, you know, as I've previously discussed, as you touched on in, in, in your earlier response, there's been a proportional change in interest rates that we've seen from last March um, that's about as large as any we've typically seen in the last 20 or 30 years. How does a step change in increase rates like that affect the private debt space in particular? Good question. Uh yeah, the, the rate increases have been quite dramatic and quite steep. Um, I believe the last time that there there was steep to this extent would have been during the during the 80s. And in terms of how interest rates affect the private debt space, well, for us as an ABL lender or other types of private credit lenders, or even the banks, all forms of lending tend to behave similarly with respect to changes in rates set by the Federal Reserve or the Bank of Canada. In the earlier stages of the rate increases, uh, private lenders were trying to absorb some of that increase in their spreads, but as the market is adjusting to a higher rate environment, or some even may call it a normalized rate environment, those spreads are also starting to normalize and get passed on to the borrower. It takes time for, for higher rates to, to disseminate into the broader economy. Some economists argue it takes about six months, other economists argue it takes about 12 months. I say that depending on the industry or sector, the time to impact will generally fall within the six to 12 month range. And we're really just starting now to see the impact of higher rates on business performance. Silicon Valley Bank is actually a great example of this, albeit it's uh, it's an extreme one. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad you touched on, um, you know, that economists may have on on how long uh, interest rates impacts will take to kind of disseminate it into the broader economy. You know, we see uh, currently in Canada that the Bank of Canada may be slowing down or uh, being a little bit more cautious about future rate increases um, as they believe, you know, it, it hasn't fully uh, disseminated its way and that the impact is still being felt and will be felt from previous increases while the U.S. Fed, you know, Barring any 
may have occurred due to these liquidity concerns at uh, Silicon Valley Bank or, or other contagion concerns, they seem like their viewpoint is, you know, future rate increases are still needed. So it is quite interesting that way. Absolutely. Uh, it, it's relatively early stages, and this could all quickly reverse should the Federal Reserve or the Bank of Canada start pulling back on rates and, and, and allowing QE to kick in once again. But the real risk with undoing that or changing course here is that we could very likely be stoking the flames of inflation, which has been stickier than anticipated. So just to touch on, you know, more specifically, ABL private debt, um, you know, as we know, uh, that form of debt will have higher yield pricing than more traditional forms of commercial debt. Um, you know, given that there's now a higher prime rate set by the Bank of Canada and, and other central governments, um, has this resulted in a convergence of yields between more traditional lenders and ABL, or does the spread typically remain? That's a really good question. I'd say initially there there has been a convergence as banks didn't have enough spread on top of their cost of fines or spread on top of prime to reprice or absorb some of those early rate increases like private debt could. Uh, there, there, in fact, there are many commercial and corporate lending products priced on prime that uh, that actually have a, a negative spread, so prime minus. Uh, a few basis points. So that makes it very difficult for them to absorb higher borrowing costs, even when rates go up just slightly. The private credit markets were in a better position to absorb this initially uh, because the spreads are typically higher, compensate for the additional risk. But there was also a lot of capital flowing into the private debt space. And as investors were searching for higher yields that they couldn't get from risk-free or low-risk products, such as bonds and GICs. But now that these, these safe havens or relatively safer um, income yielding products are generating a, a more reasonable return, uh, retail investor money is flowing back into these. And institutional, but institutional investors still seem to be very active and interested in the private credit markets. Uh, but expectations for funds that generate a higher yield is on the rise. And the timing of this makes sense. Uh, as the market adjusts to just higher rates in general and corporate borrowers are adjusting to this new reality of high rates or going back to a, an older or realistic or, or just normalized reality of where rates traditionally have been. Uh, so the gap between bank debt and, and, and private debt, the interest rates that they're uh, issuing out to the market is that the gap between the two is kind of going back to um to its more traditional level now as the economy adjusts to a, a, a newer um, rate environment. Okay, that's a, that's actually quite interesting. You know, I know we had kind of discussed this offline as well, and I, I found that part quite interesting because it was a little bit counter to what I would have expected. Uh, I wanted to kind of you know uh, to moving on in this discussion specifically in the ABL market and and kind of in this environment. What do you see are the biggest risks currently uh, in both kind of risk assessment and evaluating, your, you know, your current uh, lending portfolio within private debt and ABL? Yeah, uh, the biggest risk is how do you get your money back? Uh, as a lender, that's that's an an incredibly important thing for, especially since there's not really much upside. So you're you're collecting an interest rate, you got to earn an interest rate, and so principal protection is very key. And there's two ways to assess this. Uh, 
there's there are cash flow lenders and their primary concern is about the reliability and predictability of future cash flows, even the stickiness of those future cash flows. Whereas ABL lenders are primarily focused with the underlying collateral value and the forward-looking picture of that and the ability of the company to cover its financial obligations. Right, right. And you mentioned future cash flows. You know, one other impact uh, that's been noted as a result of, you know, large sudden increases in interest rates is that generally those future cash flows are now being discounted much more aggressively uh, and affecting, you know, both valuation of those firms, but I, I'd imagine also the lending portfolio as well. Right, That that's exactly it. Uh, and as an ABL lender, uh, we want to thoroughly understand the value of our collateral and monitor our credit facilities to ensure that borrowings don't exceed it. Whether it's a, a soft landing, a hard landing, or whatever combination of the two, it's realistic to expect that we're entering a down cycle, if, if not already in one. Uh, and aside from the standard due diligence items, we're evaluating in detail how the sectors of prospective businesses are, are, are performing and how they perform in a down cycle and what impact that will have on the liquidation value of the underlying collateral in a worst case scenario. Uh, now, Sven, this is perhaps the most critical time since 2008 for lenders to do their homework up front. Right, right. And, you know, in the case of a cash flow lender, um, the rising interest rates, that would have already been felt in their impact, uh, you know, due to the discounting of those same cash flows that you mentioned, as compared to ABL lenders, of course. And I guess ABL lenders would not yet know the full extent of some of the impact of these rate increases until they've kind of really had a chance to reevaluate the valuations of their underlying collateral. Is that correct? Yeah, you've got it. There's there's a few moving pieces, and um, a, a lot of this takes time to truly uncover um, a lot of those factors. Right. So, you know, we've we've discussed the increased risk. We've discussed you know the uh, extra due diligence that lenders are now going through uh, more than they were probably used to in, in recent years. Do you find then that lenders, you know, such as yourselves, are becoming a lot more judicious with lending, uh, given the uncertainty around the economic outlook? Yes, a lender has to. We're, we're no longer in a growth cycle for the time being. So now more than ever, we have to uh, make sure that the risks associated with a lending transaction are properly mitigated. Stringent due diligence practices should always be paramount, but you you really have to assess the story of how the business is evolving. For example, is the business in a highly cyclical industry and very dependent or relying on good economic conditions in order to service the loan? Well, if properly structured, that can be fine to lend into when economic conditions are stable and predictable. That's a very different picture when there are a lot of factors at play to challenge, that can challenge that narrative. And on top of that, uh, being an asset-based lender, it goes back to understanding the impact on the liquidation value of the collateral when economic conditions change. If you're lending on equipment specifically designed for the oil and gas industry and oil drops at 25 bucks a barrel again, that equipment's going to liquidate for a lot less than what it was appraised at when oil was, say, $80 a barrel. And that can happen quick. Look. Uh, during the recording of this podcast, oil went from $80 a barrel last week and it's about 65 bucks now. So in short, 
the focus is on defensive opportunities in this environment. Build a good quality lending book and take on good quality business. Don't throw good money after bad. Yeah, no, that's that's quite interesting. Um, you know, as we uh, discussed some of the topics we were going to hit today, uh, you know, what I most wanted to get out of this, and um, I'm hoping most of our uh, listeners as well, you know, I wanted to cap off the conversation by really getting your opinion on what advice you'd give to someone in my position or any restructuring professional uh, in their capacity as, you know, a court appointed monitor, financial advisor, what have you in today's lending environment? Are there any kind of key takeaways that you would give to us at this time? Sure. Uh, working with the company and the existing lender to take actionable steps early. That's that's what I'd have to say. Um, that, that's, you know, when, that's when everyone involved in the process has the most options for if it's a reorganization, a refinancing opportunity, or something similar to avoid a liquidation. Uh, a lot of the focus also seems to be on, well, what's the forecasted cash flow and, and, and very much income statement or cash flow statement driven. Although this is really good and important, um, the, especially if those are well-substantiated projections, uh, lenders, in particular ABL, want to also have an early indication of what the underlying collateral is worth, um, as that's a very important risk mitigant to them. And us. Uh, especially when the business is in a precarious position. Well, Brendan, um, you know, we're kind of up against time, but honestly, this was a, it was a great conversation. Um, you know, I knew having someone of your background would would hopefully be useful conversation, you know, to the broader TMA community and, and on this podcast. And, and you certainly didn't disappoint on that front. Um, you know, I'd say, we got a little lucky with uh, some of the news that's come out recently, but uh, I, overall, I just want to thank you again for coming on. Thanks, Ben. It was a real pleasure. And uh, if anybody has any questions or wants to chat about these topics further, odds are you'll find me at a TMA or a TMA Next Gen event in Toronto sometime soon. Yeah, no, uh, that that's uh, that's a great plug. And really, they, they could have found you a couple days ago, I guess, at uh, the St. Patty's Day event. So. It was a great one. Yeah. Good seeing you okay. there. Well, have a nice day. Take care. Thanks, Ben.